It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is brought to you by StarCharge, the largest EV charging manufacturer in the world, and is also a provider of residential and commercial battery storage and microgrid solutions. And KimPower, the reliable, quick, and scalable EV charging solutions for everyone and everywhere. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Out of Spec podcast. I'm your host, Francie. We've had a a lot of headlines lately about how the cold weather, whether it's really intense with sub-freezing temperatures or just your regular old winter weather, changes things about your electric vehicle. And this really all comes down to the technology that is in these cars and how it's different from what we might be used to with gas-powered cars. So who better than to comment on the reality of living with EVs in the cold than my wonderful colleague? Colleagues from Out of Spec. Thank you all for joining me today. We have the crew here, Jordan, Out of Spec Dave, Max from Out of Spec Guide, Ryan, my bestie, Colton from Out of Spec Detailing, and of course, Kyle down there at the bottom. So thank y'all. I hope you're, um, we're all, we're all ready for the winter weather with, we're outfitted. We're all wearing our beanies and our sweatshirts. Thanks everyone. Yeah. How's, how's it going? Are you making it through the winter? Barely. <laughs> my ev is, an, is a motorcycle so it's not really being used right now but i think i should i should still do a cold weather range test because i'm really curious um but uh otherwise yeah it's it's just freezing so yeah it's been it's been cold down here too and i know kyle you even went to chicago itself to check out the cold weather and that was one of those headlines that we were seeing all over so really getting into it and i want to start by telling me which EVs you drive on the daily and where you're located so that the audience has an idea of what you're experiencing in winter, especially if they're trying to say, well, what would it be like for me if I was driving an EV in very cold weather? Let's start with, mm, not Kyle, his list is too long. Ryan, please. Of course, yeah. I have a Tesla Model 3 rear-wheel drive, and I'm living in Boulder, Colorado. Nice. Max? 
I am also living in Boulder, Colorado, and I have a Polestar 2 that is specifically the original powertrain version, so not the new updated one. It's a 21 that I got used last year, and so it didn't have the best range when I got it, and as we'll talk about today, the range gets a little bit lessened still in cold weather. Hmm. Okay, what about out-of-spec Dave? Yeah, so right now at the house, we've got a Model Y and then two plug-in hybrids. One is a Chevy Volt and the other is a Cadillac ELR. Nice, nice. Colton? So I've got two Model 3s, one a dual motor, a long range, and a performance. We also have a Volkswagen ID4. Jordan, you said, you know, you have your motorcycle, but you have driven EVs in the cold. Yeah, so I'm currently taking the uh, Toyota approach and holding off on my EV decisions for a bit here. Um, <laughs> but I have a 2018 Zero SR, fantastic bike. Um, but yeah, it's a bit cold and I don't have crazy good cold weather gear. I just don't, I'm not that person that loves riding in the cold. I don't, I don't find a lot of fun in that. So instead, I just, um, I guess, assist Kyle, for lack of a better term, with getting the fleet um wheels spinning because there's too many cars i was just with kia out in california with um steve from kia and we were trying to count all of kyle's cars and we kept forgetting about other ones that were <laughs> missing um uh, so yeah, yeah I've, I've been experiencing a lot uh of evs in in various temperatures i did take um the infamous beak kyle's model 3 um kind of out <clears throat> uh, kind of during thanksgiving on a huge road trip and that was all pretty much below 50 um sometimes below freezing but nothing crazy but still uh, noticeable uh, especially with the, what the car thought it could do versus what it did um so i've definitely tried some some cold weather road trips kyle and i have road tripped um a few times in the freezing cold and it's yeah charging's different um road trip planning's different everything's a little bit different and i think now that this is you know every year over year there's more and more evs in more people's hands which means winter over winter there's more and more people experiencing something new and um, not many of them are happy. And you're probably not the only one forgetting exactly what Kyle is driving. So Kyle, why don't you remind us, I mean, maybe what you've been driving mostly lately. Yeah, mostly every day I've been driving my Volkswagen e-golf. Uh, and I mean, Colton can attest to that. He sees me all the time. I drive that thing literally everywhere. Uh, and I get no range, even in a warm, sunny day. And I get even less range on the coldest day, but the Volkswagen Heated seats are better than anything. It's amazing. <laughs> but, of course, yeah. I have experience with, um, we have a couple Teslas here. We have three of them here right now. We have, um, what the heck else? I got an e-tron here. We've got uh, combustion cars as well to reference against. And um, You got my Model X. Yep. That was part of the three. I have your Model X oh, here, yeah. which I, I haven't uh, haven't really driven it at all this week uh, i need to do some testing with it so i can send it back to you but uh, yeah no i've driven i took all the cars out in the cold to see how they all do and so yeah have lots of experience with heat pump technology heat scavenging technology uh resistive heating and also cars that are preconditioned versus non-preconditioned what charging looks like against all of these with different chemistries so yep yeah, we got a lot to get into for sure are you, are you, excuse your hiccups. Hope you hope those go away. Um, but yeah, I was looking into like the average temperatures in you know New York and Connecticut, like average low of twenty one degrees Fahrenheit, average high of thirty six degrees Fahrenheit. Colorado is a bit more variable due to the you know the biome in which Colorado is, so more about 
16, between 16 and 54 degrees Fahrenheit. So just by the way, folks, this is what we're talking about. So I'd love to just talk about one thing, which is what we hear about a lot, range anxiety with EVs, even though we're kind of finding maybe it's more of actually charging anxiety. But how have y'all found that cold weather impacts the range of your EV during the winter months? Have you noticed a significant difference compared to warmer seasons? And if so, how do you manage it? Whoever can take the take the mic. Well, I think, Dad, you should take the mic because you've been driving EVs since before any of us. You had the first yeah. one. Yeah, I mean, look, back in the day, I had a, a Model X 60D, and I took that thing on a road trip. It had a 200-mile range EPA from Tesla. So you know that that was probably a 150 right out of the gates. And we did a road trip down to Virginia to visit our daughter, Katie, who was going to school down there. The worst road trip ever. It was freezing cold out. I was having to stop every 110 miles, no joke. And back then, there wasn't. this was 2016. You didn't have the infrastructure. Forget about CCS. I'm talking about Tesla. So I think it was, it was a real big challenge. Now, some of the things that I think we should talk about here are related to EVs, and some of them are not. Um, in the cold weather, the reason I have this umbrella here is because sometimes you get that sort of mix, you know, mixture of rain and snow and it's sleet and it's and it's all that crazy stuff. I was just up in uh, British Columbia and we had that kind of day um, and I was looking at a lot of the EVs, tons of Teslas up that way. But some of the things that you can really that can impact um, your drivability of an EV in the cold is speed. Now, we all know speed if you go faster and in a regular, you know, beautiful sunny day in the summer, but when you go faster in the winter time, um, it really starts to degrade your your speed. So, knock ten miles an hour off 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 your trip, and I think that's gonna gonna be really incredible. The other thing is if there's precept on the ground snow um, be careful with with cars that sometimes have very high regen putting energy back into the battery pack um, especially I remember one time Kyle remember when I got that first i3 and I was bringing it home from a dealer up in upstate Connecticut and 95 was just I didn't really know what regen was back then <laughs> and and every time I would take my foot off the accelerator the rear wheels would just lock up and I was sliding out and I was like wow um, which brings me to another point which are tires again not necessarily EV related but if you think about you know, even all season or all weather tires, but, you know, definitely having snow tires on, on any car, I, I highly recommend. Um, and then the last thing I'll say is, is in order to increase your range, the HVAC systems in these EVs, they really suck the energy out. So use your, um, use your heated seats and also your heated steering wheel if you can, and that will greatly increase your range. Again, one last thing, this may sound like a small thing, but I just dropped off my ELR to put tires on it the other day. And it was one of those days where it rained the day before, and then it froze that night. And the thing was a sheet of ice. And so when I dropped it off at the local tire shop, I parked it in the sun. And so if you have a choice where you're parking your car during the day, if it's cold out, you know, in, in the shade, if it has to be outside, or in the sun, park it in the sun. That sounds like a little thing, but I think it can help. 
So ultimately, um, you know, of course, in the wintertime range, we all know is impacted with an electric car. Uh, but that's really only if you're going a far distance in the wintertime. And on a road trip, we should mention, um, you know, by, by the time you hit your first fast charger, that's going to zap a lot of heat into the battery pack. And especially modern electric cars can sort of, uh, we, we call it heat scavenging, but can take that excess heat and transfer it to the, the cabin where, you know, like my Model S, I just did a video really you know, it would go over 35 hours or something like that. Um, just, just running their idle scavenging the heat out of the car and it was negative 10 Fahrenheit out. So I think, uh, the first thing I want to mention is electric cars in the winter aren't all bad for most people. I would argue they're better than combustion for me, especially because I can leave the car plugged in, in my driveway or my garage. Boom. I can hit a button on the app. Like I took our e-tron to Denver today. So I woke up I left the car at 90% plugged in. I hit climate conditioning that warmed up the battery and the cabin. I got in a toasty warm car. I didn't have a huge range hit because the car already warmed itself up when it was connected to grid power. And then I drove to Denver and back. And okay, the e-tron's really inefficient as is. So I burned a lot of energy, but that's not unlike uh, it in the summertime either. So I, I think for most people, wintertime, like if you live in a really cold environment, an electric car is the car of choice only because you don't have to do cold starts. You're not sitting there cranking the engine. You're not polluted. I mean, not that I'm Mr. Environmentalist over here, but you're not just polluting, letting your car run the whole time. I started up my diesel sprinter van the other day and I like had to let it idle for a few minutes and I'm just like smelling all these fumes. I'm like, this is stupid. Um, you know, and I'm a huge combustion guy, but it's just annoying to drive combustion cars in the winter versus I can just unplug my e-golf and I'm spinning tires pulling out of the driveway, which is just so nice. Hey, hey, well, let me jump in. One other thing, Kyle, you had taught me this a long time ago, is that if you're going to be leaving to go to work, let's say it's seven in the morning, to start your car to charge so that even if you're charging from, let's say, 50 to 80 percent, have it start at whatever time so that the battery gets warmed up when you leave as opposed to it sitting there like if you get home at six o'clock at night charge it up to 80 percent by 10 o'clock at night it's at 80 percent delay the charging so that the battery has gotten up to 80 percent right at the time that you want to leave do you think that's that's uh recommend still recommended yeah and, and honestly you should do that anyway regardless because you want to reduce the amount of time that your battery's at high state of charge for longevity so you want it to stay you know above 50% for or above especially 70 or 80% for the least amount of time possible so most cars let you set a charging window and if you have the same commute and the same peak have it complete an hour or two before you leave um and that way that the charging process helps warm up the battery but ultimately i think people's commutes are so short that it doesn't really matter so much. This is just like if your commute is stretching the range of your vehicle, which to be honest, like the, the thing is with electric cars in the winter, you get a huge range hit a range penalty when you first start the vehicle, because you got to crank the resistive heater uh, or the heat pump, depending on the type of car, you got to warm everything up from stone cold. And that takes a big initial energy hit. But once everything is up, to temperature, your cabin and especially your battery pack have a lot of thermal inertia. There's a ton of thermal mass to retain that heat. 
And then your efficiency will actually kind of level out. Certainly, you're going to be a bit below where you were in the summertime because air density, of course, the air is more dense in the wintertime on the highway. You have to push more air out of the way. Um, we actually always get a little bit more range here in Colorado than we do at sea level because of this, which is why Ryan and I only calculate our range tests comparably up here at elevation. And um, yeah, so so... Yep, definitely have the car complete before you're done going. But I think maybe Max can chime in. Like, even though your consumption increases a bit in wintertime, unless you're going on a trip, it doesn't matter. But people buy cars to go on trips. So, Max, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's absolutely context dependent. Like you were saying, Kyle, most people's commutes, it's really not going to make a massive difference. Now, if one of the reasons you got in an electric car is for the environmental angle, or you're just a nerd and you like to gamify getting the most miles a kilowatt hour or the least watt hours a mile, sure, you're going to be more efficient with that preconditioning routine. However, I find when I take trips, it's really important to do this, especially in a range constrained EV like an e-tron, not the e-tron GT but Kyle's e-tron uh, or my Polestar, uh, an EV that's already fairly inefficient to begin with. I noticed that starting with a not just warm cabin, but warm battery uh, helped me get going a lot more, especially when you consider uh, if you're taking a road trip in winter conditions like here in Colorado, we have very busy corridors like I-70 where the moment you have to pull off, let's say in Idaho Springs or uh, in Silverthorne to charge, it's over. You have given up so much time uh, in doing that. So for long trips, every little bit of time matters, especially in electric cars where you can easily compound that with stops at chargers. Um, so it's important. One more thing I'll add, those stops at chargers themselves can take a lot longer too with a dead cold battery because you're going to have throttled charging speeds. Uh, you're not going to notice this. People always ask like level two, plugging into like a wall outlet or a level two charging station, but plugging into an Electrify America, into a Tesla supercharger, into any of these high speed cabinets, you can sometimes see really drastic reductions. It takes way longer, and it's the last thing you want uh, to be doing, waiting in a Walmart when it's 20 degrees outside. Yeah, well, mm -hmm. any I mean, charging stations at Walmarts, okay, maybe not ideal anyway. But, but to your point, Max, both your Polestar and actually not our e-tron, but the other cars do, support on-route battery preconditioning. So Ryan, why don't you walk us through exactly what that is, what that does, and why you need to use that in your Model 3 quite often? Of course. So batteries uh, are a little bit special, and they need to be at a certain temperature in order to reach their peak charging speeds. And that temperature tends to be pretty warm. And that can be a problem if it's really cold outside and your battery has just been sitting out in the cold. So for example, if you just have an ice cold battery and you plug into a DC fast charger, oftentimes it'll take a long time before you're seeing any appreciable speeds. Uh, Kyle actually last year did a, a great video with a cold soaked Model 3 and it took about 45 minutes before it even started <coughs> to accept a charge. Uh, so it's, it's a big deal to, uh, to make sure that your battery's at the right temperature. And uh, I personally own a Tesla Model 3 rear-wheel drive, and that has a LFP battery. And those battery chemistries are particularly sensitive to temperatures. So when it's cold, they're particularly inefficient, and they cannot accept uh, fast charges. So it's really important, especially for my vehicle, to make sure that if I'm going to be fast charging, I put that in as a destination because the car will precondition the battery to make sure that I can get those peak charging speeds when I get there. 
And how about on the other end of the equation? Because a lot of people have a commute like Colton's, which is never having to reach a fast charger, never really going on a trip, maybe the once a winter trip that you have to take. Um, what's been your experience both as a Volkswagen and Tesla EV owner commuting? Yeah, so my wife has a very, very short commute. She goes from basically Timnath, where we live, and Fort Collins to go to work. And yeah, she has no problems on that. Kyle, one video that I don't think we talk about enough about was last year when we cold soaked our ID4 and Michaela's ID4. And basically, those vehicles don't have on route preconditioning, no battery preconditioning whatsoever. And the difference was just incredible plugging those two into a charger. One of them was driven very slowly, I would say, to her charger, and Kyle really tried to heat up our ID4 by, you know, full throttle application, full regen, full throttle, full regen. So that was really, really fascinating to kind of check out how different that makes a difference of. But, you know, my daily driver is my Model 3 Performance or my Long Range, <clears throat> and it just kind of I charge these to 50% per kind of Kyle's recommendation. I'm trying to kind of save the battery a little bit more in the performance. So I trickle charge at home off a 110 outlet. And uh, when I get to the shop, I've got 48 amps here. I've also got 40 amp chargers here. So I drive to the shop, plug it in, juice it back up to 50, head home. So I'm on the ABC, always be charging type deal. If I know I have to go to Denver, I'll be working here at the shop. And I'm like, ah, I got to go to Denver tomorrow. May boost it up to 70%, drive home, then no problem for me. Nice. So kind of what I'm picking up from here is that to me, it feels like if you're going to have an EV in the cold, it's good to be aware of the impacts of the cold. So you know what's going on, whether you get a lower range, you start to notice that or lower charging speeds at, speeds at fast chargers. But otherwise, there are a lot of benefits to having an EV in the cold. And you shouldn't be scared away from EVs if you have a decent winter season, especially if you have at-home charging, but that there are some things that will make your experience more enjoyable, knowing the, you know, certain aspects of your EV and how it responds, like if it's an LFP batteries like Ryan's, or if you're going to mostly depend on fast charging, that pre getting an EV with preconditioning should definitely be at the top of your list. And how uncommon is preconditioning and like, is this, is this the one thing that changed the fast charging experience in the cold weather? So preconditioning is the key to happiness in the winter if you have to go fast charge. It's needed. Or, or you could go old school e-tron style and just have a battery that's like 95% cobalt and then a little bit of battery left over because then it doesn't barely cold gates. Um, but cold gating is the like nerd term that we use when the battery is cold enough to where it throttles its ask from the charger uh, so that it doesn't create lithium plating or other issues that can happen when charging fast in the cold. And um, when an EV really sucks to own, so I think what it comes down to is an EV is better to own in the wintertime if you have home charging. Yeah, your road trips should be almost no impact. Like I had um, my dad's or your out of spec Dave's Model X uh, in like minus 15 coming back from Vegas uh, through the Colorado Rockies. And like our efficiency was not bad at all. And, you know, it, the car was preconditioning to the charger, so I was getting 250 kilowatt charging. I had no idea it was even cold outside. It was nice. And, you know, I'm sure it wasn't as efficient in the summertime or as it could have been in the summertime. But it made no impact to my drive at all. And that's because I already had a warm battery and I got into a cold snap, but the car just scavenged heat. 
burned a little bit of extra juice that I honestly charged up a little bit more and it was no problem. When an EV sucks to own in the wintertime and even in the summertime is when you don't have home charging and you have to rely on public charging. And this is what happened in Chicago, which is so many people don't have level two overnight charging and they all rely on DC fast charging that all of those batteries were stone cold. Many of them with preconditioning don't have the preconditioning speeds to rapidly heat up the battery. Keep in mind, if your battery's stone cold, it could take two, two and a half hours of driving of preconditioning for it to reach its optimal temperature in some cars. And a lot of people think like driving their electric car heats up their battery pack just around normally. It doesn't. It will heat it up to the point where it's not like will it, where it will accept a regen. Depends on the car, of course. But with all that cold air coming underneath the car, in fact, your battery is going to get colder the more you drive. So a lot of people were like, yeah, I didn't precondition, but I drove three hours here on the highway. And you have such little power output and you have so much cold air coming under the battery that it doesn't matter, especially like when it's raining outside or you're in snow and slush. You have all that cold stuff just sticking to the underside of your car, cooling down your battery. So you have to precondition if your car has it. If it doesn't have it, like the old software ID4s and some other stuff, you have to yo-yo the car. You want to go full throttle, full regen, full throttle, full regen for as long as you can so to heat up the battery. Uh, and you kind of drive like an idiot. Now, is that a good ownership experience? I would argue no. That sucks. We're not here saying EVs are better in the cold for every situation. Um but it could play into your buying decision where if you live in a cold environment, you have to take road trips. But like most of the time you charge at home and go to do your commute, just get an EV with preconditioning and you don't have to worry about any of this. Honestly, Tesla has great thermal management. Um, cars like Lucid, uh, cars like BMW allow a manual preconditioning option, which is pretty nice just to get the battery to a, an acceptable level without having to program in a charging station or if you like using CarPlay or Android Auto where they're not tied into the car systems. And um, I think my, my thing is if you don't have home charging and you don't have workplace charging, and you live in a cold environment, an electric car is not for you because that is when you don't get the benefit of having the ability to precondition or have short commutes where your car's always topping up and it would just suck. Yeah, I do love the manual preconditioning. <clears throat> the EV9 has that. And um, the it's funny, the, the Taycan GTS press drive that I went on was interesting because they were German cars, so no preconditioning because they didn't have the route planning capabilities. And part of the press drive, they usually orchestrate some route that they encourage you to take or make you take, I don't know. But the part of the drive was an Electrify America station. And it was wild because everyone showed up, mostly about 30 40% state of charge, and plugged in and didn't see the crazy fast speeds that they were advertising and that Tycon was like famous for. Um, but because I kind of maniacally yo-yoed the car, I pulled in at 3% state of charge, plugged right in, got 260 kilowatts, um, and it was amazing. So it's like yo-yoing can be fun, and that is a workaround. And we've had to do that in some cases with some cars, especially the cars that we've driven that are like not fully finished yet. Like they're still tweaking software and whatnot, and adding that capability, hopefully. Um, that's a workaround that you can do, but it takes so much of it. You're right. Not many people think about uh, the fact that driving, it's not like a gas car where you just drive around and the engine gets up to temperature, and you can throw the heater or AC on whatever you need. It's uh, It takes a lot more than that. So I don't know. Kyle, are there many cars that um, do preconditioning down to a certain state of charge and then turn off because it's worried about using too much energy? 
Yeah, yeah, pretty much all of them yeah. will do that. And sorry, Dad, you go in a second, but I just want to make a point. Max already made this point, but let's reiterate it. A lot of people I get asked on Twitter, should I precondition to charge at home or should I precondition to plug into a level two station? The answer is no. <laughs> Don't do that. The only reason to precondition is if you want maximum fast charging speeds. Go ahead, Dad. Yeah, no, I was I was just going to say that I think Tesla, the magic number is 20% state of charge, where I've seen the preconditioning stop um, there. And that also affects things like uh, sentry mode and dog mode as well. So if you have a dog, be, be really careful. Don't let your state of charge get below 20% if it's super cold or super hot out. Um, but, you know, one of the things that I kind of want to bring up is that... Sorry, I just yeah. want to interject for a half a second. Yeah. Uh, Tesla preconditioning will will work down to about 5% on arrival, but it has to do with the state of charge that it thinks you're getting to the charger with. If you're really getting in at close to zero, it will shut off preconditioning to extend your range. Okay. Yeah, and, that, and that's the key thing is... Um, when you, in order to, for a lot of cars like the EGMP platform cars, it's very, it's not very obvious if you are preconditioning the battery or not. There's like this little lightning bolt that comes on on an EV6 or an Ionic 5, and I've seen it come on for a split second, then it goes off, and you're not really sure if you're preconditioning. But the one thing you have to do on a lot of these cars, like my Lucid, you could just hit a button. As Jordan, you were saying, on the EV9, it sounds like you could do that as well. And I think also on the Hummer EV, you can do that. Um, but you have to put in your destination into the the navigation of the car, not like ways or something that's not integrated into the car. Because if you're using ways to get from place to place, the car doesn't know that that's where you're going. And ultimately you're going to, um, you know, to a Tesla uh, or to a CCS charging station. Um, so you, you, you've got to be able to put that in. But this, this is one point that I wanted to make is that this whole situation that happened with Chicago in the last couple of weeks has been really caught on by the mainstream media. And I think there's a lot of, I think a lot of it's real, but if you're thinking about getting an electric car or not getting an electric car, a lot of these concepts that we're talking about, I don't think you have to make the decision for yourself, but don't let the FUD or the reality of what we're talking about scare you away from buying an EV just because of everything we're talking about. What Kyle said before is super important, especially if you have level two charging or even level one charging as Colton does at home. None of this really matters in terms of DC. It's it's when you're going to these DC fast chargers and you're seeing people stay on the hook to a hundred percent and the cars are charging really slowly in the cold and all that, that is a real situation that's happening. But I, I don't think that, that you should be, it's not like, you have to be careful about putting this in context, I guess, is what I'm trying to say, um, that there's a lot of there's so much in the news about about the winter this year than ever before. And when you think about inflection points of growth and whatever the technology is. We're starting to get to the mainstream where there's so many EVs out there that everybody's aware of someone who has one or a friend that has one. I've seen people teasing people. You know, in the workplace, some people are teasing me. Oh, Dave, you got an EV. How are you doing in the cold? You know, it, it's not it's not that bad, especially for me driving six miles to work and back. It's it's much better. Um, 
So anyway, I, I threw a couple of things out there. I don't know if anybody wants to comment on them, but I just think you just know the market, know what's happening out there, put it in context of your use case, but don't necessarily throw out the whole concept of buying an EV just because of what we've seen over the last two weeks. Definitely, definitely. This is kind of what I wanted to get at here is that we shouldn't be too worried about cold weather when it comes to EVs. It's all about choosing the best option for you, your lifestyle, if you want or have the ability to have at-home charging, the preconditioning factor, but that actually it can be an ideal option for many to have an electric vehicle in the winter. So, I mean, I think that we kind of surmised that pretty well and gave some tips and tricks for being best prepared if you are fast charging at your EV in the winter or whatever your situation might be. Are there any other winter-specific features or accessories that you all find particularly useful in your EV that you would suggest to other people? It might not even be specifically EV, but... Yeah, I'm, I'm, wait, I'm really curious how uh, how warm Jordan's motorcycle preconditions to when he sets it from his app every morning. I wish my app was that smart. I can adjust my torque curve on the app, but that's about it. <laughs> I remember when we used to have um, heated rear handlebars on the snowmobiles? It, like, you know, for the rear passenger, it was like, okay, you're still out in the cold, you know. Um, here's one thing I would like to throw out. Two of the cars that I have right now are, are uh, plug-in hybrids. And, and when you talk about people that are thinking about getting an electric car, the use case for a plug-in hybrid that's got 30, 40 more or higher range than than um, even than that is such a great. I, I will say the peace of mind that I have um, when I get into an EL, the ELR or the Volt. Now Kyle's shaking his head, but I think what's going to happen here, guys. Mark my words here. There's a whole segment of the population that would be like. Well, wait a minute. Forget EV. Look at all this stuff that you're gonna you're gonna freeze to death. You're not gonna get in your car. You're not gonna be able to charge it. You're not gonna be able to do this or that. But if you can drive your your plug-in hybrid ninety percent of the time on electric, and then have the gas engine there to back you up. I'm not saying for you, Kyle, or anybody on this screen. Well, if you're doing that, you should have bought an electric car with a bigger battery that you could drive electric 100% of the time. Then you're just carrying around so much complexity, weight, nonsense. I get all that, but what I'm saying is maybe it's not... Maybe gateway drug is the wrong term, but what I'm saying is if someone is either going to go ICE or they're going to go EV, they're, they're, I think, maybe I'm wrong, but I think we're going to start seeing a resurgence of the manufacturers coming into the marketplace, like what Dodge is doing with their pickup truck uh, for specific use cases. And I think there is a place for this technology of plug-in hybrid. I'm not saying I'm going 100%. Well, I think maybe, maybe the, the difference is when you drive a normal plug-in hybrid EV, they suck because they have terrible range, really slow charging, and no electric performance. And in order to get full performance out of the car, you have to turn on the combustion engine, which is a pain in the ass. Extended range EVs are different because then your primary drive is an electric motor. You get an EV driving experience. You get DC charging in some cars or fast AC charging like the Ram, uh, whatever Ram charger thing that they're going to come out with. That seems yeah. pretty cool. And then the combustion engine can act as a generator. 99% of people will buy that thinking they need that when an electric car suits their needs perfectly fine. I get that. But 
you know what? If it gives them the peace of mind that they're not going to have to worry about any of this stuff we're talking about because the news media has gotten into their brain and maybe their wife is saying or their husband is saying, you, no way would you get an EV. Maybe this, is, maybe this is something to get them at least over the hump and in that space. I don't know. I'm, I'll tell you what, Kyle. I got it when I left my Volt at uh, LaGuardia over the last four days. I, I didn't even worry about it. It was no no big deal. And I drove there with um, 32 miles of range, and I came back, and I had 18 miles of range because I, I ran it in mountain mode. I don't know what that means. Well, but I, I drove my Tesla Model 3 to the airport the other day and parked it and didn't worry about it and drove it home, too. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. Yeah. All right, Colton, you I want think- to say something here. Jump in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so a few things. So I've had a, a funny story the other day. So, you know, during this cold snap and – Um, I had a customer come in. He's, you know, he's got a Dodge Challenger. He's big into like muscle cars and things. And he saw the two Teslas sitting outside and he goes, so how has it been not being able to drive your cars in the winter? And I look at the guy. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he goes, well, yeah, I've been seeing all this news coverage. Like the batteries are failing. Meanwhile, I'm doing donuts out here in the parking lot, just having the time of my life, preconditioning the car. It's hot and ready to go. So I literally spent two hours with this guy talking him through how the cars work. I even, you know, he was like, I've never been in a Tesla or any electric car. And I took him out and then he's like, holy shit, this thing's amazing. And I'm like, yeah, that's, you know, it's really funny to watch this happen. And people, I have friends of mine that are like, can you even charge your car? And I'm like, what are you guys talking about? I mean, Kyle and I talk about this all the time. Kyle's been to Norway. You look at a a climate like that, that is cold for an extended period of time. And how many EVs do they have there compared to combustion vehicles? I'm at the point where I have a 2005 Audi Allroad, one of the king, you know, quattro vehicles. I don't even drive the thing in the winter because it doesn't even get warm by the time I get to work. It's just annoying to deal with. Meanwhile, I precondition while I'm sitting in the car or in the house drinking my coffee. Ten minutes later, the car's ready to go. Full throttle track mode out the you know, out the neighborhood and I'm ready to go. Um, another point, Dave, as you were talking about on the, um, you know, leading a car. So my dad was just, he went to Yost Van Dyke for the last eight days. His car sat outside in the cold snap. And he was talking to me before he's like, I'm a little worried about leaving the car out and like negative 22 degrees, everything. So I gave him all the tips and tricks, leave century mode off. Do not check the car, let it go to sleep lost 4% battery sitting outside that entire time, um, basically, you know, outdoors in a parking lot over eight days. So I was pretty impressed with that. Um, But yeah, I I just thought some funny stories there. And the folks that are just like, I don't understand how you can, you know, drive an EV in the winter is just crazy to me. Yeah, they just don't have all the information for sure. And um, yeah, there's a lot of other information out there and dramatic headlines, which is what we're doing here. Max? Oh. Well, I was going to say, that's just a good point to make, because what makes headlines is usually psychologically negative news. So you're not going to hear any of the, oh, my gosh, I drove my car to work and it was warm by the time I got in the cabin. And, you know, all, all you're going to hear is the kind of horror stories, um, the, the things that you know blew up out of Chicago. And, and yeah. granted, those are those are good things to recognize. But um, I think a lot of people just hearsay when I'm out and about, I just hear people saying kind of the same things that the guy was saying to Colton, just like, Oh, like I'm, I'm guessing you just can't use them in the winter, but that's just because of the, the headlines. 
Yeah, there's a sensationalist bias for sure. One thing I really want to uh, just emphasize here is that this is a lifestyle thing for better or worse. When you're considering an EV or even a plug-in hybrid, right, the best way you're going to use that vehicle, as we've established here, is with some kind of home charging solution. So I realize many people aren't homeowners, especially in the U.S. That is, you know, very difficult at the moment. So uh, you have to consider when you're looking at apartments, do they have some kind of charging station set up? Uh, is it cost prohibitive to install one? Are you able to install one legally? This is something I really advise people to research if they're considering getting an EV. Like we've established, you know, it actually can be great, if not even better in winter, but you really need to make sure that's the case. Uh, you can depend on work charging. If you commute somewhere regularly, your office has something like that, like Colton uh, having the chargers at his shop, you know, that can be an option too. Also, you can be like my girlfriend and depend on DC fast chargers, but as we've established, sometimes those can have mixed reliability. And unfortunately for her, the ones near her apartment got knocked offline. So uh, at the moment, that you know throws a lot of her routine and her uh, you know uh, her time out the window just by having an EV. So really do consider that a lot before you're getting your first EV if you're in one of those situations. Yeah, great points, y'all. And, and I'm glad that we could have all of y'all on to speak to actual real life ownership of the reality of living through cold weather and driving an EV. And none of it has scared y'all away, but we also have a great bank of knowledge and experience that we're working with to have the best time. So maybe, you know, we've talked about some possible live podcasts coming up in the future where we answer people's questions. So we'd love to know in the comments if you have questions about cold weather and EVs, or if you've heard kind of, um, you know, an opinion that you're like, I don't really know how to answer this kind of opinion or talk to someone about this, like those situations that Colton has been in. Let us know in the comments. Um, yeah, I feel like we shouldn't be scared of EVs in the cold. They're, it's, it's situational. We're still, they're still not perfect for every lifestyle, but what car is? Is there a car that's perfect for everyone? Jordan, no. motorcycle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't hear what any of y'all said. Y'all just all go. Mer. I just said it's Jordan's motorcycle. That's the perfect car. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty good. Motorcycle, Miata, and a Jeep. Three car solution. There you go. Mm. Yeah. One perfect, perfect, Jordan. Um, but yeah, thank y'all for bracing the winter cold to come on to the Out of Spec podcast and let me bend your ear about some cold EV questions that we've had. And like I said, if um, you have any questions, leave them in the comments. We'll try to get you some answers. And thanks, everyone, for continuing to tune into the Out of Spec podcast. We will see you next time on the next episode. Stay warm. <laughs>